Hi, I'm Tom Luna. I'm a former school board member. I was privileged to serve as senior advisor to U.S. Secretary of Education, Rod Page. I also had the honor of serving for eight years as Idaho State Superintendent of Public Instruction. During that time, I also served as president of the Council of Chief State School Officers. One thing I have learned in all these experiences is that educating children is not rocket science, it's more complicated. On my podcast, Swimming Upstream, we will visit with courageous leaders who challenge the prevailing tide and inspire all of us to swim against the current. Let's jump in. Welcome to another episode of Swimming Upstream with Tom Luna. And uh, folks, we are here at the Excellence in Education Conference, uh, where we have thousands of educators from across the country, not 48 states, that have come here and have been doing this for 14 years, but it's, a, it's an opportunity to engage and learn from other states about the creative and innovative things that they're doing uh, to help improve education across, the, uh, across their state and across the country. And it really gives us an opportunity to learn from other state leaders. When I came to this conference as a state superintendent, I always left uh, engaged and uh, excited about something I'd learned or really invigorated to go back and, and know that there were other people in this same fight, if you will, working hard every day to improve education and swimming upstream against those currents that oftentimes uh, resist the kind of changes that need to happen in education. So we're gonna, we have another friend, another guest here. Uh, we have David Cook from the um, uh, state of Kentucky who is here to uh, visit with us. Uh, David's uh, role is he's the Director of Innovative Learning in, in Kentucky. And Kentucky's doing some great things, some innovative things. They've got great leadership in, in Superintendent uh, Jason Glass, Commissioner or Superintendent? Commissioner, Commissioner Jason Glass, uh, and who comes with a great background, but has now come home to Kentucky mm-hmm. to be the Commissioner of Education appointed uh, there in that position oh, a little over a year ago or so, two years. Two years. So, but Dave, your role though, I mean, when, when we're talking about reforming education, modernizing it, whatever whatever word you want to use, innovation is obviously a critical yeah. part of that work. So talk to us about the responsibilities that you have, and then we want to do a deep dive into some of those programs that uh, Kentucky is using to address many of the challenges we face in education today. Yeah, so about 12 years ago, um, we were just talking about a friend of yours um, who was my former boss. And he came to me and said, I was finishing up being the race to the top guy yeah, in Kentucky. Yeah. And he came to me and said, what do you want to do now? And I said, well, I have this thing where I think we need to really think about incubating innovation in the state. And he said, exactly what I was thinking. So, Dr. so we're talking about Terry Holliday. Terry Holliday. Yeah, great man, right. great mentor to a lot of us. So um, we set up this this division um, at, the, at the Department of Education. And he went to work immediately on thinking about what are the things that needed to happen to make things better, not just for a few few school systems, but all the school systems. Yeah. So he began um, with a 10 years before the pandemic ever hit, we had the first um, remote learning program in the, in the country because he was tired of a lot of school districts in our eastern part of the state, particularly going through the winter and missing 30 days, 40 days of school because of snow yeah. and, and weather-related activity. So we created this program so c- folks could go to school when it snowed. And so at home at and home. through the connectivity. Through, yeah. yeah, through internet and, and so forth. So we were really prepared a little bit better, I think, than other states when the pandemic hit because we had been pre- preparing districts. It was a different 
different, obviously, um, situation because it was full time for every day. But we at least had a. But place. and it's not just the connectivity, right? No. Parents have to be comfortable with their yep. children in that learning environment. That's Educators right. have to be comfortable teaching in that. Yep. So you were way ahead of the curve. I think we were. So then we had this, this we abrupt. Had done PD with, we yeah. had done PD with teachers for a lot of years about what, what it took to really teach in this kind of environment. And everybody knows it wasn't ideal. Right. But we were at least were, we didn't have teachers going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right. um, when this happens. So, yeah, so that, that was probably our first big thing. And then we, like a lot of other states, we created a, an innovation zone. We called it districts of innovation. So a school district could apply to us to get flexibilities from some state statute and regulation so that they could try some new things. So that program began about 10 years ago as well, um, which is all of it. And, and as long as, as Dr. Holiday was with us, it just was getting us going and keeping us sustained on trying to figure out the best ways to make flexibility mean something to individual school districts because they all had different things they needed and different reasons why they needed it. And we were trying to say, oh, well, let's change this policy in order to make that happen. David, let, let's do this real quick. Yeah. Let, let's take a step back because when people are listening to this, I want them to be able to make a connection that um, – that just because it's Kentucky, in many cases, it's not a whole lot different than... So talk to us about just the demographics of Kentucky, yeah, the regional yep. uh, population bases and stuff like that. We have about um, 650,000 kids in our state. So about twice the state of Idaho, just yep. to put it in perspective, it in perspective for people in the West. Um, we have 171 school districts, which I think is a little high for a state our size, but a lot of tiny school districts, just like you had in, you had in Idaho and yeah. other places. Um, very rural state. Um, we have um, some of the poorest counties in the country when you look at the, the demographic data on low socioeconomic. We have only one urban center, which would be Louisville. Um, some suburban areas up outside of that, but um, a lot of smaller communities that are that are that are doing this. Um, so that's that's the best way to think about. So it. when you talk about one size fits doesn't fit all, obviously <laughs> you've just explained yeah. uh, many of the reasons why. Yep. Very different from Absolutely. Louisville to. Yeah, you can't you can't take what you're doing in Louisville, which has a, obviously a very diverse population, and take it to Pikeville in eastern Kentucky and have have the same conversations. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so let, let's go back then and then talk about um, uh, some of the issues that all states are facing today and maybe some of the innovative things that you've, you're have you doing and, and have done in Kentucky. So um, because of the, uh, of the pandemic and the abrupt closure of schools, recently NAEP results have shown that uh, students all across the country have lost a mm -hmm. lot of uh, academic progress, sure. in some cases, decades. Yep. Um, We've known for 10 years that we were going to have a teacher shortage just because of an aging population. The, the pandemic just amplified that. Right. Uh, and now, and on, uh, I wouldn't say on top of that like it's a bad thing, but in addition, parents wanting empowerment. They want more transparency. Yep. They, they, and and I, I wouldn't necessarily say more say because I don't think it's just that alone. Right. It has a lot to do with transparency. So let's talk f first about the learning loss that's happened and some of the things that um, your state is pursuing to address Yeah, that. so I, I, would, I would say the same thing. You know, Kentucky's no different than any other state coming out of this pandemic that the, the, um, 
the NAEP scores amplified a problem. You know, I guess um, on one side of the coin, you could say, you know, there's an opportunity that, that yeah. the pandemic sort of forced front because we knew we had score issues before yeah. the pandemic. And now yeah, the pandemic in some cases just kind of exposed challenges exactly. and issues that have been there for a long time. Right. It's just we never had to deal with them. Yep. But I think that um, one, so coming out of the pandemic, I think one of the things that, that Dr. Glass started us on as soon as he got here, and he came in the middle of the pandemic. Right. That's right. And um, I think that's the single greatest change that we've made as an agency around how we're supporting school districts during this process. And where that came, what, what he did was right off the bat, he went out and he did 15 listening tours virtually across the state. And he said, two, he said ask quest, two questions of the people of the state of Kentucky. What was the system like for you? Mm. And what do you think it should look like for your kids, your grandkids, and the people of your community? That's pretty revealing. And he didn't just do that as, a, as an exercise. He then commissioned a report from 60 stakeholders of the state that were applied to be a part of this group and wrote this report called the United We Learn Report, which has become our vision for education in Kentucky. And it states, this is what the people of Kentucky think we need in education system. That's done a lot of different things, but at the heart of it, Tom, that I think is one of the, hu the big things that we're figuring out moving out of the pandemic is you mentioned it just a second ago, it said at the heart of it that communities need more ownership yeah. and, and buy-in, if you will, to the system, right? So our systems in most states are top-down. Right, Accountability right. is federal and state, you know, so forth and so on. What, what we found was let us, the local community, take some ownership of this and give us some of reciprocally. When, when us, people own something, they want it, they'll work night yep. and day to make it successful, yep. right? When they have a stake yep. in the game. So yeah. we, we, this is back to this, you know, no communities, two communities are alike, right? It's the yeah. same as no two kids are alike, no two communities are alike. So this thing has really driven us to say, what does that individual community think is valuable to them beyond the traditional things that the state's always going to measure anyway, you know, your, yeah. your math scores and your reasons. Right, right, right. How do we as the local community support that learning loss reduction how do we and if we and if we own it like you just said if, if i feel like i've got an ownership in it i feel more likely that i'm going to push to have it happen yeah make it successful yeah. so when you your 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 title uh mm -hmm. the director of innovative uh learning learning um oftentimes innovation and the ideas that um that surround innovation mm -hmm. they bump up against accountability systems or they bump up right. against funding formulas they bump up against yeah. policy maybe they bump up against federal or state regulation um so talk to talk to us about how you that just doesn't stifle or even suffocate innovation i think this i think this process that i just described to you that we've just been through so now we have about 18 communities across the state who are involved we're calling them local laboratories of learning and they're really pushing us on all the policy issues that come when you have these kinds so of... There, so work towards this and then let us know. Then we really do know this policy is a barrier yep. or this funding formula yep. doesn't work in this rather than just trying to adjust the funding formula first. Right. 
Okay, I, and that's then the, great. Then the other really, really smart thing about what Dr. Glass did with this listening tour thing and writing of this report is now when people like me go across the river to the legislature and they say, well, is that just something the Department of Ed wants us to do? They, we say, no, actually, yeah. hand them the report. And we say the people that, it, you know, your people said this is what they want. Then it, then it really allows us to, to push a little harder on we need to make change in this policy or this legislation um, and get those kinds of policies moving forward that allow. And it also at the federal level allows us to do that. We just um, were awarded a competitive grant for state assessment from the feds. And our application was the kind of byproduct of all this work we've been yeah. doing about what are we going to do differently about assessment and accountability. Yeah. So we have some some places that we can feel like we have support to, to make some change. When you talk about uh, assessments and, and accountability and, and this new grant that you, yeah. you just received, it really gives uh, your state the opportunity to uh, focus on those things that they've identified are important mm -hmm. and then... Uh, figure out innovative ways to measure it, right? And I know your state is one that is focusing on what some states call a portrait of a graduate, right? right? What, what are those things that every uh, student should know and be able to do? Talk about, you know, how, how you uh, measure those things. I, I remember 20 years ago, the conversation about we want students that are critical thinkers, problem solvers, and good at com communication, but it's always been difficult to measure that. So talk yeah. to us about... The, you know, making that connection. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting about that conversation is it's 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 really an interesting part of the accountability conversation because when we've when we've had our statewide conversations about the portrait, um, that's a big part of the conversation. Is are we talking about something that we're going to put into accountability, or are we talking about something that maybe we're going to put in the graduation requirements? Right. So it's a just additional pieces beyond the grades and the those yeah. test scores and those things. Yeah, how do you navigate that, right? Yeah, so I think that's... Because more, uh, more and more, you're just adding more and more to the plate is one of the resistances we get. Yep. And, and sometimes rightfully so right. from those at the, at, the, at the ground level, right? So I think, I think that's where... And the other problem and the challenge that you face, Tom, is if you push it into that accountability conversation, then two years from now, we're just going to be having this thing where everybody says, how do I, make, how do I game the system to make sure yeah. my kids... And what I'm yeah. going to make it... You know, yeah. dumb down the assessment on those. But you, ha I think, to your question, I think you have to get to this place where you find some really creative ways. Because everybody in those portraits, the same kind of things roll up. Collaboration, you know, communication, those kind of skills that kids need, which are hard to measure. Right, 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 right. right. But, but if teachers can see them and say... I'm seeing collaboration in this kid. It may not be that we can have a uniform assessment and that we give every kid, but we've got to be able to, to and that's one of your points about how do we change the mindset of assessment not just being a test. Yeah, or a hammer. Or a hammer. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, wow, look, I can demonstrate and show to you. I've, I've, I've you know, written it down as the teacher I saw Tom do this, and that tells me that he knows how to be a communicator and a collaborator and a, an engaged citizen and all those kind of things. Wonderful. T t talk to us about um, uh, some of the other innovative things that you're working on through your yeah, uh, office um, that other states a, can be. We have a large-scale um, initiative. We just began with PBL Works, which used to be the Buck Institute, Bob Lenz, and um, we're, we're trying to 
train over a third of our teachers over the next two years in project-based learning. That's a big one for us too. Um, we had um, we use some of our ESSER funds to do a deeper learning grant for all of our districts where they're, they're engaged in some activities there. One of the most interesting and creative ones that's only a small pilot right now, it's seven districts, but we're really, a lot of districts and a lot of states have done ma um, micro-credentialing for teachers. Yeah. We're, we're starting to do it with students. So we're thinking differently about how we credential student learning and so we're engaged with them. We're taking Algebra 1 because we feel it's a gateway course. And we're saying, could we get more kids to stay in math if it wasn't this sort of, oh, yeah, I got to do this credit. and One and done. One and done. And, I, <laughs> and I'm not good at it. So, and it's all about pass-fail, right? It's all about I didn't pass Algebra 1, so I probably can't pass the others. And chunk that course down into much smaller units so that, David can get section one of Algebra One and, and feel like he knows it, move on to section two, and move on to section three. So kind of a mastery-based approach. A mastery-based approach. So you've heard the term badging. So sure, yeah. So kids are collecting badges in this Algebra One pilot. So that, and we, we really believe it's a, it's a national, there's several other states doing this, a similar thing. So that's a really new thing for us that I think is gonna catch on, which is how do we think differently about how we credential kids learning. Wonderful. So is there a, is there a, a website or a web page that some listeners could go to to learn yeah. more about this program and the other innovative things? Yeah, we have. I would just I would just go to the state's website, which is education.ky.gov. And right off the top, you're going to see um, our vision thing, which is United We Learn, which is the report that I described earlier. And it's pretty much the starting point for our, webs our website. And from there, you can go to my team's site, the, the innovative learning site, and see the different programs and how we, how we do that. But uh, there's a lot of information about this process that I described with, with the report and writing it with the people of the state on that first page. So. All right. Well, thank you for so much for being a guest. Sure. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I didn't give you a warning, but I've asked the other some of the other guests, share with us one uh, piece of information or fact about Kentucky that is unique that most people wouldn't know. Our soil in Kentucky is the third best for making wine, growing grapes. Really? After Florida and California, the soil content in I Kentucky, thought you were just known for bourbon. That's right, but we're 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 trying to learn how to make wine. We're not that great at it yet, but but you have the soil to do we it. We have the soil to do it. The third and, and best. the decent climate. We got a climate a lot like New York. So, um, but yeah, we're we're pretty. So the th say it again. The third best. So if you everybody knows that Florida and California in the United States are probably the best places to grow grapes. The third one after that is us. Interesting. Yeah. So, fun fact about fun Kentucky. Fact about Kentucky. Yeah, folks, we've had the opportunity to have David Cook here, who is the Director of Innovative Learning in the great state of Kentucky, uh, to be our guest, to talk about all the great innovative things they're doing in Kentucky. Uh, you can go to their department website and learn more about those things. And Dave, thanks for being a guest on our show. Thank great you. to see you, Tom. Folks, we'll be back with another episode of Swimming Upstream. Thank you for listening. And remember, our children may only be 22% of our population, but they represent 100% of our future. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. 
Swimming Upstream is part of the Stratagos Podcast Network. To view the entire lineup of our shows, visit our website, stratagosgroup.com.